Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet Gray. We are going to be having another episode with Jason Miller from Southern Arizona. The bears are starting to wake up. And what better time than to talk about the expert of trail cameras and all the bears that are coming out of hibernation and uh, waking up from their caves, waking up from their slumbers. And he has seen a ton of them. We got some new ones that he's going to talk about. Everybody knows about Kong and the big color phase black bear that he has seen with his own two eyes and on his trail cams. Everybody's kind of taken a liking to that. We live vicariously through the videos and through some of the pictures that Jason takes. He's going to relive some of those moments as he discusses setting those cameras up. This is going to be a lot about black bears, what to look for when they rub, um, how they're walking over, how they're marking their territory, how some of their territories overlap. We're also going to be talking a little bit about some of the people that come across his cameras and the illegal activity with us being on a border state and with him being in Southern Arizona. He's seen a high level of illegal activity and the migrants coming across. Um, a lot of them are coming for good reasons and to come and make a better life for themselves. Some of them, not so much. And, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of that. He's seen a high increase in the level of people on his cameras. Some of them have been damaged. Uh, some of the people leave them alone. But without getting into the political view and without talking about current administrations and whatnot, just the fact that uh, with our open border, unfortunately, right now, there is a huge amount of people coming across, uh, whether that impacts hunting, whether that impacts uh, future people coming down here to hunt that's uh we'll we'll find out when that uh time comes but we will have jason he's going to share lots of different stories talk about a couple of the big big bears that he's seeing in southern arizona and just the vast population that are down there and the amount of people that are during other hunts or as they're walking and hunting and hiking they are seeing bears not just on trail cameras just seeing them in person and that uh, is kind of interesting and kind of cool that those and big cats aren't seen very often. They're not as plentiful as beer or excuse me, as, as deer. And it's just interesting that more people are coming across bears and uh, some of the other uh, predators. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet Gray. As always, we have Mike Ornoski, our my co-host in studio. How are you, Mike? We are doing good. It's an exciting day with our friend Jason back on, and uh, looking forward to be talking about bears. One of my favorite things to talk about. So, Mike just got back from a Utah hunt. If anyone saw the pictures on social media, he got a giant uh, color phase black bear uh, that. Hasn't been scored, but it is definitely worthy of Pope and Young, and Mike is definitely worthy of such a trophy going in with no expectations and being able to harvest such a magnificent animal is incredible. Um, that leads us, we're going to be speaking with Jason Miller. Some of you guys remember on a previous episode, as I said in the intro, Jason is one of the foremost authorities on cameras, setup, uh, the proper lighting the proper angle i mean there's a lot of things that go into it rather than just 
bolting it onto a tree. Uh, Jason took it upon himself because of the new rule and the new law that came out that you can't hunt or you can't use the cameras and the photos from said cameras for the purpose of taking an animal. So J Jason took it upon himself not to get a hunting license just to see where all these laws play out uh, because he has such a love for being out in the field and being able to take such quality still photos and the videos that he's getting. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different. Like we said, we're talking about bears. All the bears are spring bears. You know, a lot of the guys with the rifle season are uh, seeing them come up from their slumber. And even in Southern Arizona where it's warmer, they're starting to wake up from their dens and everybody's starting to see them. Jason uh, has unbelievable footage of these bears all over Southern Arizona coming and getting in their water, taking their little baths, and just doing bear stuff. And uh, without further ado, how are you, Mr. Jason Miller? Hi, thank you for having me on again. And I just want to say uh, congrats on the beautiful bear, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely uh, way above my expectations. And first, just to be able to draw that tag as a non-resident, there's only not one permit. And it was it was one of those things where we had a small window to get up there and it just, I, I could not have envisioned, you know, that three days of just, you know, witnessing Utah, then finding a bear of that magnitude. I mean, it was just, I appreciate it. It was just, I don't think, I think it's got to be a top two, three, or one. I, I, I keep going back in my brain. I don't, it might be my best hunt ever in my lifetime, truly, for sure. Was, it, was that your first bear, Mike? It was actually my fourth bear. Oh, okay. Um, but the, the thing with this bear, which I didn't really understand, is I'm used to Arizona were there, drove up to Utah, I was just south of Salt Lake City, and there's still a lot of snow, you know, and there's creeks right. running with water, and the water's plentiful, and it's green, and it's lush, and all their roads are closed, and he says, hey, we're planning on bringing your backpack, and we're going to be doing some hiking, so what I didn't realize is having a 35-pound backpack on my back and doing a 10-mile hike loop up upwards of a 1,000 feet, you know, and, and starting at dark and getting back at dark and walking these just incredible country, so... It was a whole different world of, you know, normally when you were with hounds and stuff, you may be, especially with bears, you're in the, you're driving roads and you're trying to get a rig. The dogs are up on top of the box and they smell them. And we're just hiking trails and just going wherever the dogs go. And it was, it was so incredible to see the beauty of Utah, you know, just That's mind boggling, awesome. you know, then, then to, on the second day to be able to get that bear going. And, and I look back at my phone, I think I did almost 10 miles that day and 170 wow. flights of stairs and course i'm fat and out of shape and i'm from arizona at a thousand foot and i'm up at seven eight thousand foot with the trying to carry my bow and the vertical climb and all that all the thick brush and greenery i mean it was it was truly incredible i mean just not knowing what i was getting myself into than having to go through it and realizing i'm fat you know and they're trying to hike and i'm healing over my knees trying to take deep breaths and keep up you know and they're used to it you know it's just it's crazy i thought i was in shape Boy, I was I was showed up pretty quickly about the third about the third mile. I I really started feeling it, you know. <laughs> oh wow! And, and that's saying so. Mike out hikes a lot of us, so he's he's being a little humble. But our buddy um, that he went with up there is incredible. Um, he, the guy goes and goes and goes, and just like his dogs, you know, they're they're always in shape. He's always training them even when they're not in season in his home state or wherever the dogs have to be trained in order to stay in that type of shape. And 
You know, everybody right. wants to have the best gear and have the best pants and the best boots and stuff. And here he is. He out hikes all of us, and he's in like DC skater shoes and some regular, you know, blue jeans or some regular pants and a and a t shirt. <laughs> I'm like, you're climbing over boulders. You're scaling down to you know to save your dog, and you're going straight up in basically some skater tennis shoes. How are you doing it? He, he just shrugs your shoulders. Right. It's just normal to him. They're lighter. They're not as wow. heavy as our as our normal. You know, any of the top brand boots so it's just funny but yeah mike i don't mike doesn't have it scored or or uh how big it was but based on his other bears and based on how long brandon our buddy has been hunting them and having a guesstimate on all the bears that he's he's successfully uh helped others get it's borderline you know around 400 pounds and mike on one of the pictures i don't know if we shared it if we haven't we will of mike standing in the tailgate and this is a color phase black bear cinnamon colored so it already looks like a grizzly to begin with just on the color i mean the face and the claws you can clearly tell that it's a black bear but it's a color phase black bear mike standing in the bed of the truck holding it up and it is all the way down to the ground so it's well over seven feet you know from the tip of its nose to its paws and whether it scores, you know, Pope and Young, because he did take it with a boat, it's irregardless. A lot of people love the numbers. Mike's not worried about that, but I'll brag on his behalf on how big of a trophy it was. A 400-plus-pound boar with a giant scar on its forehead from probably fighting or, uh, you know, maybe a tree branch, but it was a scar that had healed up, and you knew he was – it was definitely the boss – in that neck of the woods <laughs> and uh it was a trophy of a lifetime he he doesn't know what he wants to do with it i'm trying to convince him no matter how expensive it is to do a full mount because it's that animal is worthy of it yeah that's i've seen some pictures he sent me and oh it's a massive massive bear massive beautiful color yeah beautiful yeah it's just it was mind-boggling especially when we ran up this side of this hill and we found we lost track of the dogs so they went up over this it was like another thousand foot above us, and we kind of get up there, and all of a sudden the signal comes back, and all of a sudden now they're down below us, and they cut our tracks, and so we're trying to run down the hill, and we glance over this this other ravine that's five hundred yards away, and all you see is just massive objects just going through all the alders and thick brush, and and I, I just remember hearing Brandon saying, "Oh my gosh, that's a big bear, that's a big bear," <laughs> you know, and that was like a top five bear in his lifetime. I mean, he's he puts that as you know between one and five of the biggest bears that he's ever been witnessed and been around, and. No, it was just really just incredible. I mean, just right place, right time, and just you know, right circumstances, and everything just you know came right together. I mean, just incredible. Do the bears not often get that big up in that area? They no, not they they get a few, but not that big. Um, that was definitely the exception and not the rule, hundred percent. So I mean, it was definitely, oh. um, a, in my opinion, a, was a once in a lifetime bear. I mean, I mean, he's he's hunts constantly and. For him to be hunting 20 years with with hounds and, and living there, born and raised in that country, and, and to be a top five bear, I mean that that says something for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So totally blessed by it. So all right, let's get it back on because all of our listeners they want to hear about <laughs> Jason Miller and the the bears. It and kind of re so it reminds me. I mean, he's kind of the same color as, as everyone knows of Kong. Kong's a color phase black bear that you've 
nicknamed Kong because of his size that right. a lot of people follow. Um, a lot of people have seen the years of you capturing him and in Southern Arizona and taking his baths and walking and uh, all the video that you've captured. He's a gorgeous, gorgeous bear. And now all of them are starting to wake up. Anyone that follows you on social media, like a lot of our, like a lot of our friends and family and listeners and members do, they are seeing all those videos that you're posting now. Can you tell us a little bit about all these bears that are waking up? And we can touch a little bit on on your placement because they are in different areas than where you're going to see, you know, deer and um, this, you know, the rock structures and and whatnot. A lot of the other game species don't go to the extreme and don't go everywhere that a bear does. Um, just talk a little bit about you seeing how they're waking up and how they're coming out of their hibernation slumber and where you're getting right, right. without getting into specifics, but where, where you're getting them in these, in these mountainous areas. Well, yeah. I, first few I got were at, of course, uh, water spots. Um, there's still plenty of water, but it's actually drying up fast this year because we were hot early. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple cameras at tree rubs that I, I know of from last year. And sure enough, the ones that are, you know, popping out first and showing up are uh, hitting those rubs. Um, some of the pools are getting hit. Um, usually I get just the big ones first. It seems like the males, the males, the boars show up first. But I've gotten a couple of young guys, too, that have been around the same time as the males. So I don't know if they're like young males or what, but uh, they're maybe a couple of years old, um, that are on their own, they've been showing up. So, uh, it's exciting cause I've only, I've only had two checks, camera checks and, and I've, you know, to get my first two bears so far and I'm due to go check a few more cameras. So I'm hoping they've all, they're all full of them now. And, uh, I did get one sow with a cub, uh, so far, but the code Monday has messed my camera up. So I didn't get fantastic footage of it, but you can see it's a sow and a cub. Those little desert monkeys mess everything up. I know. <laughs> and it was killer footage. It was actually at a uh, a rock pool I found. It's, it's this this creek that comes out. It's all solid rock, and it had this one dip. And for the last couple months, I've been getting, um, you know, lions, deer, a little bit of everything, skunks, tons of Cotamondes. And I thought, if this water holds, so the bears show up. I should get some bears, and sure enough, I got that sow and, and cub there. I mean, none of us are biologists, obviously, but on your best guess, looking at timestamps and looking on how much time you spend in the field, do you think that the temperatures influence when they – obviously, they, they influence when they wake up because when it starts warming up is when they come out of their hibernation. But do you think they're waking up earlier the hotter it gets, and do you think that – Maybe the boars, I'm just throwing it out there as a hypothesis on, do you think the boars get up because now they're not having to conserve as much energy because they're not having, you know, a cub to nurse or whatnot? I I wonder. Yeah. Um, well, last year, uh, well, this year, uh, I got my first bear picks 10 days earlier than this time last year. So, I, you know, we were warm early this spring, so... I think the the heat might have something to do with them, you know, coming out earlier, for sure. It makes sense. It makes sense. And the big guys, like you said, you're getting the males. They're more times than not bigger than the sows, and um, maybe they need 
you know, their metabolism and maybe how that structure works and how their body works that they need to, to wake up sooner so they can start feeding. Um, it would, I, I have no idea. I'm just throwing, I'm kind of spitballing ideas, but I wonder maybe some biologist or someone from Game and Fish can weigh in or someone that, uh, that knows bears more, but it's just interesting on the dynamics on one of, you know, God's awesome creations, one of their, one of the most cool animals to observe in the wild um, and how they change and how, how they adapt so well to this environment. I, you know, what's strange is that, you know, where I was getting my first bits of them videos were uh, around 7,000, just above 7,000 foot. But I've got them in January uh, down in grasslands at like, you know, uh, thirty seven hundred. Wow, that's January. Crazy. Wow. So I, I don't I don't understand how that works. You think yeah. there's about seven thousand elevation? I would have got them, you know, a month or so ago. <laughs> um, uh, because I'm already high. Right. But then I've got them real low, so I I don't understand the the thing with hibernation. You know, I hear they do. I hear they don't. I hear they they just slow up and stay to one little area. Throughout winter, uh, obviously, I, I guess the sows that are pregnant that give birth in the dens will hibernate. But what about all the sows that aren't pregnant and all the boars, you know, old and young? Um, it would be interesting if you you guys could find that out because I hear so many different stories and I just don't know. Um, it just seems like, you know, they, they wouldn't really hibernate here, you know, I, because we're, we – we have mild winters pretty much. Very, especially in central to southern Arizona. We're not, I mean, even in northern Arizona, they're not getting the snowfall that they normally get. We're not getting the moisture that right. we would normally get that that melts and, you know, creates those big water pockets. Um, even in the sky islands in southern Arizona that reach those high peaks, they're, they're just not getting that moisture and I wonder, I don't, I don't know what that term is. Uh, we need to have like a research person here in studio that can just Google anything that we can't think of. And uh, yeah, I, I know that I'm word. Not... We were trying to think of it. Um, it's like a partial hibernation. They're in a slumber, but they wake up. They go, you know, they could sleep for a week. They could get up. They can go use the bathroom out in the woods, maybe, maybe drink, maybe eat a little bit, go back to sleep. They're not dead sound asleep for months at a time like you would right. in Montana or Alaska or Idaho or, you know, somewhere where it's going to get really, really cold. They're not in that well, yeah. full true hibernation. Even down here in the, in the mountains in Southern Arizona, you know, the peaks will get snow on a good, you know, storm during the winter time. Then a few days it's gone usually, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's not there for months mm -hmm. and you know, it'll happen a few times throughout winter, but for the most part, it's not really cold and you can be way up in there and, in the sun and it's warm uh so i just I, I don't understand um what it is exactly they do down here i i don't know if it'd be the same as northern arizona um or if it's completely different but i've seen them in the middle of winter really low yet really high they come out late in the spring i just i don't understand it well, i guess Maybe my best guess is it's still a little bit warmer in that lower elevation in the January time, or, um, and then obviously it's cooler higher up later in the season, even at spring, and they just didn't get enough fat reserves, and they 
they got to do what they got to do to come out and get get some nutrients and then if it isn't that cold and you know the ground isn't covered in a in a heavy snowstorm like it would be in other states or up north there's still plenty of food source um part of that reason is there's nothing you know they'll eat carrion and they'll eat decaying animals or other stuff but the pine nuts and um all the vegetation that they you know the grass that they browse during the spring on a normal spring green up isn't there because it's all dyed and, and covered in in snow and i think that's part of that adaptation on why they do go into hibernation but it makes sense that if they're not because of the terrain or because of the the landscape and habitat that they're living in if it has food um you know their biology and their biology or their their clock tells them to go to sleep but if it's not horrible conditions then why not <laughs> why not get up and go eat why do i need so, to starve myself for months right so so the bears that are not set up for the winter they stay low is kind of what you're saying and you know they scavenge and, and try to find wherever they can and those are the ones that are seen low i i i think so i think if they don't have that fat reserve like a lot of the animals you know they're not as healthy and they got to do whatever it takes to be able to survive. And they do go into that slumber because that's what their internal clock tells them to do. And they probably, right. you know, their, their heart rate slows down and they're able to sit there and conserve that energy. But if they're not, you know, with a two inch thick of blubber, like someone that, you know, did do really well in the winter and the fall and the summer last year, then, Maybe they maybe they need to get up. They need to go and find you know some pine nuts, some some grass and whatnot, and they go to that ele lower elevation because that's the last place that they are. And then when they feel that they have enough of that reserve, then they go back up to the cooler climate and that cooler elevation, and then make a den. I'm just guessing. Like I said, I'm not a biologist, but just things that I've witnessed, things that I've seen, and some of the 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 stuff that you know you read about kind of shows that but if i'm wrong please anyone feel free to weigh in mike what what are your interpretations i really don't know um i do believe that arizona being an arid state you know, especially in southern arizona where we don't get the cold and the snow and everything else i mean it's hard for me to think that a bear is going to hibernate especially when it's a sunny 70 degree day in January some days and there's foods plentiful and just I think my thought is because I know I've long time ago I, I seen I glassed up bears on December hunts and late November hunts and I think I I think we saw a bear in, in January once many many years ago down in 33 if I remember correctly this like when I was a kid probably in the mid 90s but I to Jason's point, I think what they do, even your point, is I think they stay in a very small, secluded area, and they just don't travel. They don't have the the energy to be browsers and movers. So I think they just get down these canyons, and they just kind of just hunker down and just stay in that small, little, confined area. You know, that, that would be my guess, but, again, it's all assumptions. So, But with that, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring out, and I just from following you, Jason, with all your different videos and, and pics and over the years, it sure feels like that Southern Arizona has a tremendous healthy bear population of a lot of bears. Um, and oh, you, yeah. and I think you would know that better than anybody. And I just, I think it'd be really great for us to kind of understand, you know, since you're out there and you live down there and you're born and raised down there, 
you know, and with all your cameras and everything else, I'm in my opinion, you probably know Southern Arizona as a whole as through all the different units more than probably anybody. And what's your perception of bears and the, the number of bears and the quality of bears and things like that from what you're seeing? Uh, there's a lot, <laughs> um, especially, I mean, the next two months, uh, let me put it to you this way. One of the guys I run trail cameras with a good friend of mine, um, last year in, in probably midway through May, all the way till probably the beginning of August, we got so much bear footage. We were sick of posting it. It, it was just ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm not. You know, I'm grateful. I'm just saying, yep. it's like, man, it'd be nice to get a deer or mountain lion. You know what I mean? We got so much, and uh, there's a lot out there. Um, I never knew there was that many bears out there. Um, uh, once again, you know, because of trail cameras. Uh, but growing up, you'd hear about the odd guy that would see one in the desert area here and there growing up. And, of course, they were always up north. But down here in the desert, I never heard much about bears, never – heard anyone really, you know, say, you know, other hunters, um, that, you know, yeah, we saw two or three bears today, but nowadays people are seeing them all the time. And yeah, there's quite a few down here. And not only that, there are some big ones. I've got some giants on camera. I mean, ones that I was like, wow, did this come over from Mexico? I mean, I, these are big. Um, yeah. and of course you get lots of average and, and small ones too, but yeah, the, I would say the bear population, I, I'm not saying this to get everybody to run down here and bear hunt, but, um, cause I, I think it goes, you know, to the whole state really, but there is a lot of bears down here and lions too. I, I get the same thing with lions. Um, yacht hunters see one here and there. People see them all the time now. And no matter where I set up cameras, I'll get one or two lions, uh, you know, game trails, water spots, um, a lot of lions down here too. Well, that's great. That's really great. So speaking of your, your spots and how you set up. So, so when you're not sick of bears and it's like um, right now where you're, you haven't seen bears for a while and you're getting excited. So what would be some of your tactics um, to kind of focus on, on the bears? I know you probably have your reoccurring spots and, and you kind of made the reference that there's a bear rub and like, what is a bear rub? What does that mean to our listeners and to the general public and how you can, being a hunter, you can identify certain attributes when you're hiking through to identify that, hey, this is going to be a great bear spot. Um, well, in fact, the last camera check I did uh, two weeks ago and got bears, um, as I'm walking a game trail, at 99% besides water, it, I'd say 50% water and 50% game trails is, is what you know I set my cameras on. Um, you walk, I'll walk a game trail. And it looks like somebody else walked down it. You can see heavy imprint tracks, you know, say in the leaves. Uh, but you can see a round circular track, and it's a bear. And um, as soon as I see those, I know, you know, bears are starting to move again. All through winter, I didn't see them on these game trails. Well, now I'm starting to see them. I mean, it almost looks like someone, you know, a heavy set person is walking through there and leaving an indention in the leaves. Once I start seeing those, I know, um, you know, bears are starting to show and it's going to get more and more and more as the summer, you know, progresses. Uh, along those trails, now I, once again, this is accidental. Um, I have some cameras set up different parts of, you know, different trails and I'd get a bear stopping by one of the trees on the side of the trail 
and he'd stand up and rub it. Well, boom, I just found a bear rub. And so I'll get my camera set up different so I can get, you know, him actually hitting that tree, you know, better angle or whatever. Cause sometimes he's way down at the end of the, you know, the trail and I just barely catch him. Uh, and sometimes I've set up and I've been right near the tree and I didn't even know it. But now I look for trees along game trails that have fur. What they'll do is at the base of the trail or on the ground, it'd be like clearing, almost like a, a like a deer scrape where, you know, the leaves are pulled back and it's just dirt. That's a good sign right there. And if you look up the tree, probably about waist or chest high, and sometimes, you know, eye level, you'll see fur on the tree from them rubbing. So, you know, uh, that's, that's, those are the things I look for uh, when I go out, you know, finding new spots uh, on game trails for bears. And those are gold because I get some killer footage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm just thinking how many people just – or hiking, they're looking, and they're just basically watching where they're stepping, and they're not even looking at all these clues that are around them, and they're walking past all of these great clues saying, hey, you're walking past some of the best footage and, and bear, you know, opportunity, and you're not you're just kind of glassing over. So, like, even like like a pad, you kind of reference, you'll see a bear pad, and, it's, and we all see, like, a bear where they get the big round, it's kind of a circle, but way you just talked about it, it's almost like there's like a round indentation on the grass so it's kind of flat that gives you that yeah. cue of a bear where most people are looking for a deer track you know or an elk track or a javelina track you know that's it's imprinted down the mud but you're actually looking for this flat part that actually is pushing down the vegetation which most i'd say 99.9 percent .9 of the people have no idea that that was a bear track just kind of pushing down these little flat spots you know the grasses yeah. and, and things like that yeah, and like I said, you know, in fact, years ago, um, you know, I was walking the trail, and I thought, man, it looks like someone's up ahead of me, because it looked like, you know, footsteps to the leaves going up this trail, and um, checked my camera, and uh, lo and behold, that was the bear. And you know what's another funny thing is, I noticed when I get bears going down a trail, they'll almost walk in each other's footsteps. So I think those those indentions. Uh, impressions in the, in the, in the leaves will get deeper and deeper. Um, cause they all use kind of like the same, uh, track to step into, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how that happens. Yeah. Interesting. Same size, have the same gait, you know, the same kind of same footprint. And I'm sure it's easier. Why cut a new path when I can use the same footsteps that Mike and Jason walked in front of me. Right. Yeah, and I, they're probably leaving scent, too. And, you know, the same with the bear rubs on the trees. I'll get small bears, big bears, medium bears. Um, you know, it's their way of sensing and, and, you know, leaving their mark like, you know, say deer do and mountain lions. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing. And you're right. Uh, you know, until I started finding these things, I never, I, God knows how many years I went, you know, into some great places and walked past bear rubs and I had, I had no clue. <laughs> with looking at the height of these that you're saying the bear rubs are you know coming at waist level or at ground level where you first start seeing the the clearing of the of the you know debris on the ground can you judge based on even with it even with not having a camera there based on how tall that is like where on the bear are they scratching it off on their back do they, does it reach their head that you've seen so that if you saw it at the tip top, it could be from their head, if that makes hey, sense? I, in, 
it's more uh, center of their back. Okay. Uh, from you know what I've seen in my videos, they do lift their head up. In fact, uh, a bare rub tree I found last year, me and my buddy set up a camera. He set one up on the opposite tree, looking down, so he'll get a downward angle. And I've got one on the ground looking up. And um, I'm five eleven, and he's six. He's six three, six four. And we did a video of you know he walked up to the tree, and I walked up to the tree and stood. And then we compared it with a video of this big boar we recently got. And this big boar was a lot taller than him. Really? Uh, yeah. In fact, when the, the boar stood up on the tree rubbing, I, I kind of want to say they they rub in between their shoulder blades, like, you know, kind of that part of the back. But yeah, the, this, this boar uh, went up and he rubbed and then he lifted his head up and the shot my buddy got on his camera, the video, when he lifted his head up, you, you couldn't see from his chin up, you know, his chin, his nose um, was out of screen. I mean, this is a big bear. That's uh, tall. Really, if he's really six, three, six, four, and it was that tall, that's <laughs> impressive. Yes. He, it was taller than him. And um, I don't even think this, this bear kind of, you know, maxed out because they, they don't, go up to these trees. Sometimes they do. I, I, I do have a couple of videos where they go up and they, they stretch right on out. Mm-hmm. But some of these big guys, they just kind of go up, they, they'll rub and they, they kind of dangle their head and then they'll go back down on all fours and continue walking down the trail. Um, so these, I think some of these bears are bigger than what I think. <laughs> yeah. They just got to get that itch or if they're coming out of hibernation, maybe they're trying to get some of that old fur off that is causing the itches and then they mosey on their way and, uh, continue, continue looking for food or water or whatnot. What's really cool is on some of these trees, um, we do get bears that walk by the tree and they'll kind of sniff it and keep going. I don't know if that's another, small, you know, maybe a smaller male and he's going to want to leave the scent because there's a larger male there. I don't know how it goes, you know, how all that works in the bear world, but um, you know, not all of them mark the trees. Interesting, um, but. uh for the most part, you know, I, I get a lot that do. So I don't know if they're just dominant boars or, um, you know, females or, or what. But, uh, yeah, not all of them do. And I don't know why that is. I think you probably are onto something that they're all overlapping. Everybody's, you know, core area overlaps to a certain extent. And if they're not being chased, if they're not, you know, being pursued or don't have anything that's, bothering them then they're going to go into some other territory and but they do know that this isn't their home range and then they smell that they could keep on going this is another one of those uh could be chet's crazy ideas if someone wants to weigh in on that too it's just things that you observe things that you watch and read you know of course the the two-year-old three-year-old boar that just within the last year was booted from mommy does not want to go tackle, you know, the the eight year old boar that has developed his home range and his territory. I mean, it just makes sense that he's going to get his butt whooped if, uh, if he starts rubbing on that same tree and leaving that mark. Now his scent will burn off just from walking in that area after a while. And the bear goes, okay, yeah, you know, someone else was here, but it's, it's not infringing on his territory because he didn't rub right. over him or mark his territory. Like, you know, a Tom cat is spraying to mark his, 
and I'm sure bears do the same with, you know, rubbing like that. They're, they stink a lot more than most animals. And, uh, that's why the, the dogs can track them so easily or not so easily, but you know, they, they put off a scent from just their normal odor and what they eat and what they roll in that, uh, a bear's sense of smell is far greater than even, you know, a hound dog. So they could easily pick up that stuff, whether, you know, if it's a sow or a boar, or I'm sure whether it's a threat or not. Right. And yeah, I, I've gone up to some trees and if you go up and smell them, sometimes you can smell the odor. You can get a whiff of a scent. And the other cool thing about rug trees is they're not always huge trees. I've got some trees that are, two inches thick, you know, that they're rubbing and they'll, they'll be next to a giant, you know, uh, three, four foot trunk tree, but they'll rub that little one and they love to walk over them. They'll sometimes they'll, when they're walking down the trail, if you got some little pine trees popping up, you know, two to four foot little pine trees, the bears will straggle and <laughs> walk over them and have it brushed between their legs. I get that. I get that often on, um, on uh, some of my, my trail cam footage on the trails. Um, but the neat thing about trail, the big trees, is when they leave fur, you can see different colored fur, brown, black, sometimes blonde. You can see the different colors that have been by and rubbed that tree from the different you know colored hides of the, of the bears, um, which is really neat to see. And once you know what to look for, people hopefully take this uh, information that you're so willing to share and look for that you're you know kind of like with the small trees and stomping over them they're you know maybe getting a niche on their belly or somewhere they can't reach and it's just like when you're in elk habitat and you got tons of small you know jack pines or manzanitas or whatever whatever you know bushes and trees are in that habitat that make them dark horn once they've shed their velvet and you see the small ones that are just, you know, how are they going to make it? Because the, the elk has jacked that tree up so much and stripped it from all of its bark. And then you got plenty of trees of the same variety close by that are thicker. And maybe there's right. something about they just love, you know, the, that testosterone's growing through them that they just love that, you know, being able to dominate the tree or being able to break it and push it over and, you know, rub on right. it real hard to get their velvet off or rub on it real hard to get their fur off in the, in the bear's instance. Who knows, right? Yeah, it's, you know, and I've also got video of uh, when the sunlight is just right. As they straddle a little tree between their legs as they're walking down the trail, they'll urinate and you'll see like a mist, you know, of, of where they're urinating. So it's not just rubbing trees they mark. They mark all over the place. Uh so, you know, that's something to remember, too. And I've smelled weird stuff down trails. You know, I've been like, God, what's that smell? Mm -hmm. You get a whiff of just don't know what it is. And uh, it's probably most of it's bears. Right. That makes sense. And you wouldn't, no one would know that. No one would know that if you didn't have that camera out there. I mean, all the books in the world aren't going to share everything on, on the biology of black bears and in southern Arizona and look at how much you're learning and the rest of us are learning just through a 10 second video clip and being out there, um, witnessing what you're seeing in person with the, the hair from rubs and seeing it tore apart at the base of the tree at the trunk. And then 
getting a, a footage of a bear, you know, kind of urinating on one of those small trees. And that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and I also, um, found a tree two weeks ago that had, uh, it was all clawed up and it was probably about five foot up. It was clawed up and you could see where the bear would grab it and then just scratch around it. And he did it in a couple different places, but there was no fur. Um, in fact, I didn't have an extra camera on me. I was on my way down the mountain from checking my cams up top. So when I go back up there in a week, I'm going to take camera and put it on that tree. But um, I didn't see any fur on it. So I don't know if they have trees that they like to scratch with their claws that they don't rub or what. I don't know. And this is the cool thing about cameras. I'm learning so much. And it's, a lot of it's by accident. You know, I've just got a camera somewhere and it picks something up. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get a camera over to that tree there because he did something. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a blast. Absolutely love it. And if you weren't out in the field witnessing that with your own two eyes, then you wouldn't know to put a camera there to see things that you wouldn't observe unless, you know, you were sitting there 24-7. And well, yeah. it's just yeah, right, right. super, super cool. I wonder if it's a different species, you know, of a tree where it feels better or feels different when then, you know, sharpening their claws or, um, you know, who knows if they're trying to dig into something, maybe there's a, a grub underneath the bark or maybe it is really hard and they go, they want to scratch it in order to, to sharpen their claws or to clean it or, or something along those lines. Yeah. I'm not good with high elevation trees. I mean, all the desert stuff I know, but the high elevation, I'm, I don't know a lot about, you know, I, of course, pine trees, but this one had no bark on it. Hmm. It was white. It was like a white color. It was huge. Um, and, uh, it did not bark like a pine tree or any, you know, uh, any of those other trees. Um, so it was definitely smoother, and that might be why he chose to scratch that. I don't know, but I'll get a camera on it next time and find out. Um, so that's another cool thing, you know, I've never got on video is a bear, you know, scratching a tree. That's going to be the goal for 2022 then. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that and everything I got last summer because yep. I'm Jones, and like I told you last summer, I, I was so, I got so much footage. And then go through the winter where it's just like, pretty much no bears. Mm-hmm. So I'm jealous to get all footage again. Yep, <laughs> and hopefully good. bears, you know, uh, hopefully I'll get some of the old bears too, which is cool, but getting new colored ones. I just love the different color ones. It is really cool. And you know, when they behave different in front of the camera, I just love that. I, I know a lot of people think, you know, some of the other States have bigger populations. We've kind of covered that, that you're seeing just in that pocket, you cover a vast area uh, where you distribute your cameras and get those photos and pictures and uh, all the video. But just in that area alone, you're seeing different color phases. I've read that Arizona has one of the highest populations of color phase varieties of bears and the cinnamons and the reds and brown and black. Um, the blonde, I don't know if it's, you know, like an undercoat of a color phase bear and, and then how the light hits it. I know the Washington and uh, Southern Canada and British Columbia, they have those protected, uh, I think they call them glacial bears or the, um, I forget the exact name, but they're the, the all white uh, black bears that are, that are protected that you can't hunt. Um, oh, right, right. They're uh, uh, like kermode bears. I think they call it. It's, it's a native American word, a kermode bear, or glacial glacier bear. 
and they're almost an all-white. Uh, they're not albino or whatnot. They're not like a polar bear, but we don't have those here, but we have probably every other variety of color in uh, in Arizona scattered across the state, not just in certain areas. You're seeing all different colors. We've seen, you know, reds and cinnamons and, and blondes and brown and black, obviously. Um, have you ever seen, I've only seen them in other states, but the white patches that are on the chest when they are scratching. Some of the big boars, you can see it when they are on all fours. Um, I know in the colder climates and in Southeast Alaska, I've seen them up there where they have like a white patch under, under their throat and in between their, like their, their breast area. Have you ever seen any of our bears when they stand or in any of your videos have that white you know, patch? I'm always looking for that uh, because, you know, I've seen that, uh, like you said, you know, on, on pictures and videos from other states. I haven't yet. I had one that looked like it had something there, but I couldn't tell what it was. But I've got a lot of blondes. Uh, I, you know, believe it or not, I, and that might have something to do with the, the sun down here. Mm -hmm. But um, I've gotten quite a few blonde bears before uh, on camera. Um, I mean, really blonde. That's cool. Uh, I think it's all that beachfront property you got down there. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm always looking for, you know, something different. Um, yep. And when I get it, it's, 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 I love it. It's, it's just great. It's like, no way. Um, but uh, um, I noticed also you were talking about, you know, the sun and, and, and different colored bears that make them look different colors. Uh, two years ago, I got called each year. Well, I've been getting him for like three years, but um, each year I get him, he, he seems to, his color seems to be a bit different. Uh, you know, he was really kind of reddish at first, mm -hmm. more red. He got kind of into a chocolate cinnamon phase. And then last year, I get a video of him. And I know this because of his ears. I can always ID him because of his ears, but because he's got those tears in certain spots in his ears. And, uh, Last year, he was really light in color. I don't know if it's the sun or if that's what happens to bears throughout the years or Interesting. Um, he's old. You know, maybe he's getting old. But I'm wondering if you get a bear, a cub that's born and it's light colored, you know, five, six years later, is he blonde then? I mean, or does it depend on where he decides to stay? Because if he's low elevation, he's going to get a lot of sun. So he's probably going to have highlights per se, you know. That's right. Great he, point. He goes up into the timber and lives up there more, and he might darken up maybe. I don't know. That That's another question I'd like to ask a, a bear expert. You know, um, how does that work? Uh, but yeah, I noticed he, he was a lot lighter last year than I'd ever seen him. But three years ago, he was almost cinnamon. That's when I remember you first starting post, and most people started hearing about him and, um, you know, when you're hunting a species or you're hunting a deer and a lot of the guys in the mid Midwest, you know, that they have their cameras and they're out on their tree stand and they, they name that, that particular whitetail or some of the guides here or people that live in the areas where high elk populations and they name that, that crazy elk, non-typical, you know, giant or, or whatever. He's got kickers on this side and Everybody right. knew who you were talking about on all your posts when you said Kong, and it became a following for the same reason that 
you had the opportunity to take him and you chose not to and that you know inner inner person said uh you know what let's let him live and it's turned into a lot of people learning about him and a lot of people kind of living vicariously through you being able to to witness him which has turned out to be you know a really good story and a really great experience and it is interesting to to see that in the three years that you've been capturing him the color changes the sun you know in a game camera can change how they look with it being highlighted or you know if it's getting at dusk or at dawn but if you're seeing three distinct colors in different years you know just like a deer regresses as it gets older and it doesn't have near the mass or the time length that'd be interesting i could see gray coming in if they were older but to go from different colors from a cinnamon you know um and then this last year being a blonde and if you got darker that's that's different i've never heard of that yeah yeah and that's that i was puzzling like i said if it wasn't for his ears um i i actually thought it was a different bear i thought wow that's a big one uh you know he's going to give kong some competition and then when i watched the video and and instilled it uh it still shots when he got close to the camera i was like oh that's kong (laughs) i was i knew straight away from his ears when he got close and walked by the camera but um yeah it's uh i got a new bear uh last year i got i got a big one in another mountain range and i I named him grizz because he actually looks like a grizzly yep i remember that one uh, he's stepping over these logs is that the one you're thinking of yeah yep yeah he's huge absolutely huge and uh uh he just the way his head is and everything i mean he's obviously not a grizzly but you know, I'm not far from the border, and I'm thinking, oh, next year, Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yep, exactly. Wait see if he shows up this year. And I had, But he showed up later last year, and he's a monster. Um, but this year, I got a big all-black one that showed up first, more, and rubbed the tree. So I'm hoping Grizz shows up. Yeah. And I can get some more footage of him and see if he's changed at all. But what I noticed about him it's his claws when he went over these logs and walked along the trail, which looked like, you know, he was walking right towards my camera. He had massive claws. And, uh, you know, some videos I get, the bear steps just right. And, you know, their claws, you can really see their claws, but this guy had some really big claws. And that was the first thing I thought of was, you know, he's got the color and he's got the long claws and he's got like that roundish head. I'm going to name him grip. Because yep. he looks like a grizzly. That's cool. Um, yeah, they're way never, longer and way bigger, way more pronounced than the black bear's claws. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it stood out more to me his claws did than a, a normal black bear. I, I'm not, you know, throwing anything out there because I think he's a, he's definitely a black bear. But that's just how I came up with the name. But I mean, if he had that big hump on his back, then he's definitely a grizzly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, based on the rubs and based on seeing Kong on all fours, how do these two new ones compare to him in size? Uh, see, for me, Kong was – I seen him in real life. Right. So with my own two eyes, and he's, he's massive. Um, so I would say Kong, but this guy is close. Uh, this guy's really close. Um, um, I, it's hard to say, but I, I would say Kong was bigger, uh, or they're they're pretty close to being the same. 
But or this guy had more of Maybe a, it's Kong's son, same genetics. <laughs> well, maybe if he went to another mountain range, but this guy seemed to have a bigger head than Kong, I thought. Okay. Um, but the body-wise, Kong was definitely bigger. So that's a good point. So you're two different mountain ranges, and you're finding all these bears. So is it typically you find bears where bears are going to be, or you think they're just spread out everywhere, and kind of everywhere you drop a camera there's bears, or... Or are you kind of focusing on very specific drainages and different areas that you're getting all these reoccurring new bears and existing bears on these same kind of spots? Um, believe it or not, almost all my spots, desert or high mountains, I get bears. Uh, and I, they show up, you know, in the spring, and they're there for the summer, and they're gone in the fall. All my spots. So even if I find a spot that I'm like, oh, it's a great deer trail, might get some, you know, awesome, cool-looking bucks on this trail. And during bear season, it's getting pounded by bears. But I set up for deer, you know, thinking this is probably more deer than anything else. Like I was saying earlier, bears and lions show up everywhere now. But when I first started four years ago, you know, getting a bear was like trying to get Bigfoot. You know, it was difficult. Um but then again, I've learned a lot in the last four years. <clears throat> exactly. Uh, so, but yeah, the bears are all over. I mean, that that uh, uh, salad cub I just got, that was very low, very low elevation. And I would have figured I would get more salad cubs earlier first at a higher elevation because I'm thinking, you know, they're yep. dimming. During the winter, they're giving birth in the den. They're coming out, so they're going to be high coming down low. I got this bear very low. So it makes me wonder that, like I was saying to you earlier, it makes me wonder, um, you know, do all the bears, they, they don't all live up high. Um, and I, I always was under the assumption, you know, even the bears down in the prickly pear, when winter approaches, they had higher, higher, higher for winter. Yep. I don't think that's the case because this bear is pretty low with this, this sow with cub. And I can't see her coming all the way down from a high mountain to get down to this low elevation with that young cub, um, you know, in the last three weeks of them starting to show up. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. I, like I said, I, um, I wish I could talk to someone that knew a lot about bears in Arizona cause it would, it would help me out a lot. Um, but it also keeps me exploring and trying to learn as much as I can each year, because every time I think I figured something out, I get a new surprise. So I got to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. I'm always, That's why we I'm love always it. Learning. Yeah, I'm always learning every year. But then again, it wouldn't be fun if I knew everything, would it? You know, exactly. it'd be like, uh, it's boring. You know, I, there's no excitement in this anymore. So every time I learn something new or figure something out with these animals, um, it's a new adventure. And, you know, I, it's awesome. We're never too old to keep learning. We always say that. We're never too old to keep learning. There's yeah. young and you old, what? whatever. We can always learn something from uh from someone else's experiences and no matter how long we've been hunting or running trail cameras or shooting or, you know, being an archer, there's always something that you can learn. Yeah. I, I grew up, you know, javelina. That was the first animal I seen in the wild as a little kid. And I've been fascinated with them and, and love javelina ever since. And, you know, I, I just couldn't wait for, you know, January 1st to chase them with a bow every single year. I, that was priority over deer for me growing up. And, uh, they were just so fun. And I learned as much as I could, believe it or not, 
don't don't tell my mom, but I used to you know, my dad I used to ditch school and go out <laughs> in the desert. I ditch a class in high school, go out in the desert and, and find a herd of javelina that, you know, I wanted to, I couldn't wait till the weekend to go till. That's so awesome. I ditch, I ditch class, go out there, find a herd, get some pictures of it, and then go to like my last class that day. Um that's funny. I, I mean, that's how into Javelina I was. Yep. And I thought I knew everything about Javelina. And I can go places I've never been and find Javelina. I, I've learned so much about them. Um, but a few years ago, me and my buddy were, he was actually hunting. And I took him to this spot I hadn't been to in, oh my God, like, you know, eight, 10 years. And uh, he got drawn for this unit I haven't been to in forever. So I, I said, you know, I know it's a spot where I remember seeing Javelina out there years ago. So we went out there, we busted this herd, and we followed this hot. We found yeah, there was snow on the ground. We followed this track of this one. It was a good-sized javelina. And we followed him in the snow, and I thought, you know, we're just going to follow him all day. Because we busted, we, we found the tracks first thing in the morning. And we followed him all day. And he went down this wash and through these little tiny rolling hills and back down this wash. And we were following him. Well, it turns out, the end of the day, he took us back right to where we first saw him. Wow. He, he doubled back and we didn't see him when he doubled back. And when he doubled back and we know this from the tracks in the snow, when he doubled back, he was maybe 50 yards from where we followed him. His, his tracks doubling back were 50 yards across. Wow. So cool. walked right past him and had no idea. And it took us all day. And when we got back up to him, I realized that. And it goes to show you, you know, a lot of people think javelina are kind of, you know, they're just, they're blind, they're smelly, and they're dumb. Yep. This guy was smart as can be. And it blew my mind because I was like, holy smokes, I've never had a javelina do that to me before. And I never knew that until I experienced it. And I was like, you know, this is what survival is all about for all the animals out, out in the, you know, Arizona wild. Yep. It's true. 100%. Um, that kind of leads me with all the stuff that people don't realize that they're coming across. You, a lot of people have never witnessed a mountain lion and more people are now. A lot of people never seen a bear in the wild when, whether they're on a hunt or whether they're just hiking. Um, we live on the border. We see a lot of different things. It's a hot topic on a lot of different media, a lot of the national news and whatnot. What are some of the other things that you are uh, seeing in Southern Arizona uh, from a human variety? Well, I hardly ever get hunters anymore. I, surprisingly, I get the odd hiker, and I think they're just lost. But I do get a lot of... Uh, migrants that come over the border because I got a lot of stuff not not far from the border. And believe it or not, I actually get migrants in some hills around Tucson, um, which kind of blew my mind too. But uh yeah, I get I get a lot of migrants coming over. Um I also get footage, you know, of Border Patrol catching them. And it's amazing about the Border Patrol because the Border Patrol, they're they're awesome trackers and I've got them on the camera, you know, doing their work. Right. And, you know, it's it's phenomenal, uh, what you know, whatever training they go through, uh, it works because I'll have some migrants go by my camera, and um, 
Hello? You, you there? there? Yeah, we can hear oh, you. Oh, yeah. Don't... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're good. Sorry. But yeah, the, the integration, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I post a few videos and some people are like, it's their land. It was their land first. And then other people are, you know, um, they're just come over for a better life. You know, there's, there's a lot of opinion about what's going on. Uh, but it, it, it's often, I get a lot down there. Um, at least one check, each check I do down by the border, um, I've got at least one or two videos where, you know, I've got migrants walking by. And a lot of these migrants, um, I know some of the videos I've seen you posted, I mean, they're just not coming here to you know, have that opportunity for the American dream. I mean, it looks like they got backpacks full of the goods. You know, I mean, I think you're getting a combination of both of those, aren't you? When you're starting to get a lot of these pictures where it's not just one type of, you know, migrant that's coming across. I mean, there's... In my opinion, it looks like they got backpacks and they could be full of marijuana or drugs or whatever they got backed in there. And then there's other ones I've seen that you do with these that has some families. So are you kind of seeing that variety consistently? Yeah, you know, they, they always have backpacks. Um, I I get more groups of guys than I do uh, uh, groups with women. I do get some groups with a few women. Um I have yet to get any children. That's what I'm dreading. And you know, it's, it, it's bad because, you know, the, the border patrol, if they don't find them or get to them in a certain time, some of them can't keep up and don't make it, you know, and very sad. I, I'm always wondering if one day I'm going to come across, you know, some people that haven't made it. And that's what I'm dreading, uh, because I see a lot of activity. Um, uh, you know, yeah, they're over here illegally. Um, but you know, it doesn't mean they, they deserve to die. You know what exactly. I mean? Hundred percent. Yep. You know, they're human beings. Absolutely. Uh, but regardless of your take on you know them coming over and what they're doing, um, you know, no one wants to see you know anybody die. But uh, yeah, it's it's mainly groups. And from what I heard, um, I I get more that have small backpacks and but a lot I heard that a lot of them bring little pills now. They don't bring over the marijuana bundles anymore like they used to because you know marijuana is more legal now. I don't know. I don't do drugs so I have no idea about what goes on with all that. But yep. Um you know I've seen videos of the big square backpacks and I've seen that while I was out hunting many years ago. Guys walking through the desert. But I'll tell you what, they're all camo now. Right. Uh, it's hardly hardly ever do I get any in you know, regular clothes. Um, they're all camoed, um, and they're very, very careful, very cautious. And I've had a few cameras messed with, I've had a few taken by them, uh, SD cards taken out in certain mountain ranges. And in other mountain ranges, they'll walk by. I even had a guy wave to one of my cameras when he was filling up his his, his uh, cup full of water um, or his jug full of water. In front of my camera, he looked right at my camera. He was kneeling down and he gave me a peace sign. And, you know, for the most part, I think they just want to get from point A to point B. Yep. You know, uh, the ones that have messed with my cameras and I've got them on camera doing so, they'll kind of like mess with it like they're trying to take it off. And then they're like, oh, forget it. I'm out of here. You know, they got places to go. They, you know, they didn't come all this way just to mess with cameras and kill time. They're, uh, they're wanting to get wherever they're going. Hundred percent, yeah, and you feel for the ones that that do want to come over here, um, but 
we do have rules for a reason. We do have laws for a reason. And unfortunately, um, I'm sure you've seen an uptick not to, this is a, a hunting and trail camp episode. And so we're, we don't discuss politics too much. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know how we feel about certain things, but have you seen an uptick because of the current administration? Um, in your cameras and your videos, are you seeing more than you have in the past, or is it about the same? No, definitely more. Um, this past winter, I got a lot. Yeah. Um, in, in, you know, this one area down by the border. Um, and you know what blows my mind is when I had to check these cameras, I'm gassed. And, you know, I smoke cigarettes, but I'm gassed. And, you know, <laughs> I'm like, finally, I'm here. And, you know, I, I kind of push myself and, and rush a bit because I'm excited. Can't wait to see what I got up there. And when I get up there, I'm thinking, oh, my God. First thing I think of is the when I get footage of the migrants that come over, that walk by, I'm thinking, how do they do it? You know, right. I mean, you know, they probably came a different way than me, probably a harder way. And they're undercover. They got to hide. They got to they got to listen. You know, it's like they're being hunted. You know, you know, because the border patrol are after them. Um, they're they're more stealthier. You know, I'm just walking, making noise, going. You know, from where I park to where my cameras are. You know, I, I walk the same area. You know, the same uh, pathway each time, and uh, most of it's up a creek, mm-hmm. but um, or creeks. But I, I think to myself, how do these people do it? And I'm just a few miles from the border, and I'm thinking, oh my god. You know, depending on what city they plan on going to or wherever they got to go to get picked up, get picked up, which is, you know, far as hell from where I'm at. I'm thinking, how do they make it? And I've got a backpack, but with, you know, I got water, Gatorade. I also, I drink a lot of Coke, so that that's my coffee fix. But, you know, I'm packing that and some snacks and it weighs me down. And then when they walk by on the video, sometimes is all they have is, a jug in each hand. They don't even have a pack on. And I'm thinking, how do they do it? I'm exhausted. And I got all these snacks and, and good stuff to drink. They've got, you know, pool water. Right. Um, I, I it, just, it blows my mind, um, you know, how they can get so far on so little. I just don't know how they do it. It's, I guess it's, you know. The mental the, toughness the and mental paper. fortitude to, to, yeah. to push, you know, a lot of people – most most people never push themselves as far as the human body will allow it to take, and their you know prize on the other other side of the border wall or a city um, you know is so great to most of them that they push themselves, and that's why unfortunately a lot of them don't make it or get caught, but a lot of them do, and you know that that resolve and that mental fortitude in order to keep going on so little is. It's incredible, and it, it's a testament on on how far we can push ourselves. Um, kind of goes on that hike, you know, like you're talking about. You got plenty of food, you got plenty of water, you got plenty of snacks to keep you going, and uh, we all are guilty of you getting up there. And I got to take a break. This is this is exhausting climbing this high of elevation, even driving to here, and then hiking up, and still having oh, yeah. enough energy. You know, yeah, you got game cameras and some tools in order to to put them up and you know, et cetera. But still, it's it's 
you know, you do got to give credit on how tough the your mindset is in order to go through that kind of stuff. Well, it's the price of freedom, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you know that that's what they're over here for. They, they you're right, I, and maybe the drive they have is how bad it is, you know, where they come from, and it's like they, they could care less um, about how tough it's going to be. They do it because of the mindset, because of the the life they've had wherever they came from is so bad. They're like, this is worth it. I'm going to keep pushing myself. I don't know, you know, some of my spots. When I get back to my truck, I'm exhausted. I'm almost too tired to drive home. I'm, I'm, I'm beat, and I'm thinking they do this day after day, night, day, night, day, until they get to wherever they're going. And then, you know, what's what's crazy is when I get the videos of, you know, them going by, sometimes I'll get the video of those of them coming back by with the Border Patrol. You know, they got caught. That group got caught. Right. And then I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, they got all the way over here, and they got caught. They yeah, must be I'm, devastated after, you know, killing themselves to hike over here. Yep. You know, I mean, mind you. And paid a smuggler that. quite a bit of money to get them to that, that point, too. Well, that's it. And then not to mention the people that get, you know, brought over and then ditched. And then they're left, oh, my God, where am I? You know, I hear that goes on. I hear some bad stories. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's off. It's absolutely awful. Uh, like I said, I'm not saying what they're doing is right but no none of us i don't think condone it we want them to go through the proper steps and we have immigration laws for a reason plus you don't want to come across them we don't want anything to happen to them we're all god's children and they they do need to follow the laws and come across the proper way yes it takes a long time and there's probably lots of red tape that they have to go through and lots of hoops they got to jump but right other neither here nor there they you know, they are human beings. Well, yeah. And I'm just thankful I've never got any children on camera because that would be disheartening. I'm sure it goes on. I hear about it. But I, I just, I mean, even the people I get, I get it. Uh, I got this one group that were, um, I'd say, you know, maybe in their 40s. It was like, you know, three girls and five guys. And they were probably in their 40s, mid mid to late 40s. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, they're later in life, you know, age-wise, and they're still trying to make a run over here to a better life. You know, it's just this kind of fun. Right. I wonder, like years ago, a lot of people did not ever want to hunt a border unit for fear of that. And whatever immigration policies were in place from that uh administration, whoever the president was at the time, <clears throat> whether it was early 2000s or 90s or, you know, for a long time, people did not want to hunt southern Arizona and any of the border units for fear right. of coming across them or having a camp and having your food stolen or any number of things, not wanting to come across them if they had, you know, guns or, or any type of uh, narcotics or illegal substance for fear of, you know, being shot, any number of things. And immigration enforcement has become a hot topic and a lot of we've said earlier in another podcast you know you got the influencers talking about southern arizona because it's a high population or more of more uh opportunity to go after you know our coos whitetail on right. leftover hunts and we always had leftover tags 
And I think these last couple of years have shown people are more willing to go to the border units because obviously they feel safer and the word is getting out that there's an opportunity to go and target and harvest and hunt a species that isn't found in a lot of other states. And we, you know, anyone from here sees it with the leftover tags that they dry up really, really quick. There is no chance of you getting one on the, on the second week when you can walk in in person, they're gone by the Friday of the mail in portion. And every resident here is, is seeing that. And we are all for non-residents coming to Arizona just like we hunt in other states. We're not advocating against that, but more people are feeling comfortable coming here and more people are finding out about it. But I wonder, as this increase in population of illegal activity comes, will it have an impact on the amount of hunters coming to Southern Arizona? Because a lot of people don't know that or now don't hear about it as often um, in the hunting community specifically that they may come here and, you know, set up a tent or a friend of a friend said they went here five years ago. They never saw it. You know, you saw some carpet, you know, that they put on their, on their shoes or they, uh, you know, leftover water bottles and whatnot. But I wonder if it, you know, five years from now, if this continues, will, will it impact the amount of hunters in leftover hunts or people putting in for tags in those over-the-counter opportunities or um, coups at Havelina or desert muleys down there? Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if it's going to make a difference unless there's some issues. You know, people getting attacked, shot, type thing. Right. Um, other than that, I, I think it's going to be the same old thing. You know, because I hear about guys uh, talking all the time. You know, yeah, we had this group less than 100 yards walk past our camp and on mm-hmm. this hunt. Um, they don't seem to be deterred. I think the quest to get, you know, a, a, a monster muley or coos that's right down by the border that maybe crosses the border in some in some units. You know, they go back and forth where they can. Right. Still, um, that quest uh, is, is worth more than deal. You know, worrying about you know a group of migrants walking past. Uh, you know, your camp. Um, right. But yeah, until there's an incident and there may be incidences that, you know, we don't know about, I don't know. There might be a lot, lot going on down there other than what we know. Um, but for the most part, I hear about the odd cooler getting raided or, you know, the odd vehicle gone through by migrants. But other than that, I don't really hear about anybody, um, getting attacked other than that border patrol agent a few years ago. Right. Yeah, well, I, they I know, know hunters are usually armed, and it wouldn't well, be wise. Other, yeah. It probably wouldn't be wise to to come across. I mean, a camp. If you're starving and you're hungry and you're dying of thirst, you know you got to do what you got to do to survive. And I, I under, I don't, I don't condone it at all. But I understand why they would do certain things and breaking into right. cars. If you didn't come here illegally, you wouldn't have to do that to begin with. That's a whole nother topic, um, but we understand that. But I'm sure if they see people in camo on this side that are not a part of their group, then they know that they're probably, I mean, they're, they're getting told information and intelligence prior to coming over here to expect this or to expect that. 
Border Patrol wears green uniforms and hunters all along this section are going to be in various camo and holding a, a you know, a bow or holding a rifle or, or, you know, any other type of weapon that they're hunting with. Right. You know, the, the thing that's, that's crazy is I, I have a couple poles where, uh, good deep poles that the bears like to use. We all have, you know, some migrants or a single migrant will show up on camera and sit there and, you know, uh, fill up his water jugs. Mm-hmm. And then I, I always think to myself, man, if you could see what I get at this pool on my camera, you know, I get, I get lions, bears, you know, all the animals show up at this pool and this guy's there, you know, filling up his water jugs. And I, I have to wonder, you know, if they have run-ins with animals, you know, I'm sure um, they do. If that ever goes on out there, you know, uh, with as many miles as they put into the mountains down there, you know. Well, you're seeing, in, uh, not that an ocelot would, but more and more people, including yourself, are, um, and Border Patrol is no different than the biologists, you know, with the amount of cameras, you're, it's the law of percentage, right? The more you have out, the more pictures you're going to find, the more right. animals that you're going to see, and with the more animals you're seeing, the chance of finding X animal is going to be greater, and everybody knows right. that there's a few jaguars that have been spotted over the last decade or longer. And there's more ocelots that have been spotted. They're both protected. They don't get hunted, but, uh, having friends in border patrol and them having, you know, different systems in place in order to monitor the illegal trafficking. And they do utilize border uh, border patrol definitely utilizes trail cams and, They've had uh, footage of migrants and illegals coming through and having big cats, whether it be one of the, the very, very rare time of a jaguar coming through on that same trail, but definitely mountain lions that are far more prevalent. Nothing, right. you know, coyotes and nothing like that or bears that are out of the norm, but definitely big cats that I've been told from uh, friends that work in that in that agency, and nothing that I've ever been told that has come across to say that the, that a human's been preyed upon by a lion or a jaguar. But they're using those same trails; they're walking in the exact same path. So, yes, the law of average says I'm sure if they came across it, we know mountain lions have have attacked humans in the past and have consumed them. Um, like what was happening in Tucson a year or two ago at the at a trailhead that Game and Fish had to dispatch the several mountain lions that were eating um, someone that had passed away, which is would be pretty grisly to to come across. But I'm oh yeah, I would venture to say that I'm sure someone that has succumbed to the elements has probably uh, unfortunately met the demise of of animals of some sort. Yeah, I mean, I, I I haven't heard, I don't hear anything about what goes on the other side of the border. But, you know, they, they got to start from somewhere. So, yeah, I wonder if, you know, that happens over there. Yeah, good. Definitely. I mean, all the hunters that and guides that go down there for goulds and coos deer, uh, they don't really have anyone, you know, there's not a huge hunting population in the northern area, northern Mexico portions that have the ranches that, are, are leased out to 
U.S. guides and outfitters, and they go down there for turkey and, and you know, and the coos deer and the and the mule deer as well. And they just like here, it's the same habitat and with a far less hunting pressure. And they see a ton of mountain lions. And I right. I could be wrong, but I don't know of anyone that goes down there that hunts them. So they're they're not getting taken. You're taking some of their prey species away by more and more people wanting to go down there and and fill that that slam in order to get a Gould's tag or the chance of getting a giant coos deer in, in Mexico, those dreams that a lot of people are willing to go down there and venture. There has to be a huge population of mountain lions that aren't being taken. And uh, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know of any studies or trail cameras or any groups down there that use that. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens if a a big mountain lion comes across the jaguar. I'm sure the jaguar is probably going to win because it's stockier and bigger and stronger. But it'd be it'd be a cool video to watch. That's for sure. Oh, I'd love to get that. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. I could be tired with the views I get that on. What I get with that on YouTube, <laughs> right? You, Jason Miller, would go viral with a a mountain lion versus jaguar. You see that stuff on YouTube all the time. Uh, these crazy, you know, edited footage of a, a gorilla and a, and a lion or, you know, stuff like yeah. that. But if it was real life and you saw two big cat species going to town, it'd, it'd be interesting. Or maybe the mountain lion would just take off if it, if it caught scent of, of, the, of a jaguar. I don't know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we, we could talk to you forever. Um, we... We love hearing all your stories. We live vicariously through your videos. So many people that don't live here in Arizona, that's why you have such a big following um, on your YouTube channel and on your social media accounts that everybody loves being able to see those and witness firsthand what you're being able to capture with your great placement of those trail cameras. I know we'll have you on another one at the end of the year or sometime before 2022 is over because we do learn from each other and we, we love hearing your stories and sharing some of our stories with you. Um, do you want to leave us with anything parting or do you want to tell us anything that you're looking forward to capturing or something that you haven't uh, shared on social media? Any secrets that Jason's keeping? No, man, if I got Bigfoot, it would have been on there before. I could <laughs> <even tell> you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just doing the same thing. You know, I, I uh, you know what? I, I'm I'm actually looking into. Uh, I want to get. I heard there's some beavers down south. Um, I want to like to get them on camera. Heck yeah! And, you know, uh, we introduced some beavers along the San Pedro. I'd love to get some footage of that. Just something different. Um, yeah. But I'll still be doing my same thing, hoping to get. Uh, I'm actually about three weeks away from when I got that ocelot this time last year. So I'm looking forward. I'm hoping that guy comes by again. Yeah. Um, and of they're, course, they're skinny enough to get through the border fence, no matter what. Yeah, and of course, the you know, the big one is getting a jaguar. Uh, that maybe this is the year. Who knows? But I'd love to get a jaguar. That was that was the whole <clears throat> reason I got into trail camera. Yep, and you will someday. It's going to happen. There's no question. Someday, it's coming. Yeah, I, I want thank you guys so much for having me on again. It's a blast talking to you, and yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again anytime. Anytime you guys want to, I'm 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 in. I, one other last thing that I thought of that's <laughs> funny. I can't wait to see some more footage. I know you don't care for crawling in those those uh, caves, 
But with it warming up, the rattlesnakes are going to be coming out, and Jason's going to be getting some footage. So he's going to be high-stepping it out of there if he hears a rattle. But we're going to get some great footage of him, I know, with those uh, macro lenses on that new camera that you were using last year. I can't wait to see some more snakes coming out of their own hibernation and uh, starting to sun themselves. Yeah, you know, in fact, I was just talking to someone the other day about that. I uh, I might go stick a camera back in that cave again, too, because, you know, oh, I would yeah. imagine it come out. Because with it getting hot, they might go in there during the summer just as much as they're in there during the winter, just in and out for the shade, you know? I don't know. I don't Like I said, I don't know much about rattlers, so I'm learning as I go. But I might try to see if, uh, you know, they do return and they're in and out during the summer, which might give me more activity. That would be awesome. I uh, the other only uh, other thing I would think I don't know if there's any interest out there or if you have any interest. I know a lot of duck hunters and a lot of people that like waterfowl. You know, jump ponds in southern Arizona and supposedly <clears throat> I've never hunted them. It doesn't it doesn't get my juices going. But I know we do get a, several different species. Everybody sees the mallards, you know, at their local park. But it would be cool. Um, if there was ever an opportunity to, to capture some of those different species along with the snakes, you're, you're venturing out so much and you have such an, uh, uh, a great niche on being able to, f to find the perfect spot to put cameras over your experience of years of being able to do it, that just seeing different animals, uh, no matter what the species, if you're hunting them or not, like we said, we're learning about them and, and we love the conservation aspect and seeing the, the various uh, varieties of, that you know geese or or ducks or or what have you that are using this as a flyway it'd be kind of interesting as well yeah yeah i i've got a couple ducks just like you know the water spots and they kind of floated by in the background type thing um but yeah that's i've thought about ducks and also badgers i want to get more badgers i don't get them often so anything that i don't get often i'm always after heck yeah but, that's uh, fantastic that's great i just i need i need 50 more cameras <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i can't wait till you get another uh birthing of a javelina i think that would be pretty cool too so that's another one i think my look at all your camera videos and stuff i know you had that one segment but i think that is just amazing when you're able to capture that in their beds and that kind of stuff oh yeah in fact i've got i'm going to actually check them after work tomorrow i've got some cameras in a spot where i got uh Someone told me they've seen a white javelina. So I'm hoping I'm hoping to get that guy. Uh, this is the first time setting cameras in the spot. I don't know if I'm exact, um, you know, in the exact area, but I might have to, you know, scout it a little bit more. But I'm hoping my first setup is going to score. So you'll see that if I if I get that on camera. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Can't wait, Mikey. All right, I'll end this. Uh, Lord, we just, uh, I just ask that you just bless Jason, Lord, and his family, Lord, and just uh, continue to keep him safe while he's out doing what he loves, Lord, and trying to capture those incredible images, Lord, that you created, Lord. I just uh, ask for your protection, Lord. I also ask for protection of our immigrants, Lord, and our, our southern border and our border patrol agents and all of the things that are going on down there, Lord. We just ask that you would just uh, bring uh, healing, bring change, Lord, and as you would see fit, Lord, and um, and those that are struggling coming across, Lord, we just ask that you would give them protection. And we also ask that you bless our country, Lord, and uh, bless uh, Ukraine as, as that war is going on. And, and anybody that's in need, Lord, I just ask that you would just meet them where they need to be met. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.